Hey, listen, uh, today we, we're going to start a new series, and I'm going to kind of preface this new series with, with just simply this. I'm going to ask you, and I don't ask this much, but this is a series, honestly, that you need to come to more than just one service in. And so I'm not sure how many weeks we'll spend in this, maybe three, maybe four. But I'm going to ask that you could maybe just commit to say, you know, for the next three, four weeks, I'm going to be a little bit more consistent than normal, and I'm going to come. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you only catch a part of it, you're, you're, you're really going to you're going to really miss the heart and the whole um, just the biblical doctrine of it. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to catch a piece and run out and, and uh, think that we're saying certain things that we're not. I want you to hear it in balance, and I want you to hear it in the wholeness of what God really intended it for it to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, anyways, if you're taking notes, the new titles of this new series is simply this, In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. God, they are not here by accident. Lord, you brought them here today because, Lord, you uh, have something that you want to show them. You have something you want to tell them. And so, Lord, today we come just with uh, eager anticipation, God, to hear your word. God, we come with a hunger. And, uh, Lord, we just want to be a people, God, that literally abide by the word from Genesis to Revelation. Lord, we don't want to be a people that pick and choose parts of it, but, Lord, we want to live all of it. And so, Father, thank you today for your anointing. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best. Uh, we just absolutely make room for you to come and teach us today. We open up our hearts wide. Show us today. Reveal truth. Reveal Jesus to us today. Reveal to us the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to start off today by really just intro and by reading a handful of verses. And so we're going to dive in pretty quick and then we'll kind of level out and I'll kind of explain some things. But we're going to go kind of dive in and then I'll then maybe I'll explain kind of as we go. But anyway, so the first verse we're going to talk about today is Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 16. I'm reading from the New Living Translation just because it makes it uh, a little clearer. But it says this. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Verse 14. But John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. This is what John said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. Or, or basically we shall fulfill all righteousness is maybe what your translation says. And then it says, so John agreed to baptize him. Notice verse 16. It says, after. Can somebody say after? Come on, say it like you mean to say After. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened up, and he saw the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and settling. Somebody say settling. The word means remain, so it remained on him. Now, listen, theologians would all agree that this is the moment that Jesus was anointed for the work of the ministry, meaning that the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he, he lived it just like us. But at this moment, when he got baptized, that there was anointing that came upon him that basically that empowered him to do ministry. Now, watch this. What did this anointing bring into Jesus' life? Look at Luke 4, verses 14, or verse 14. It says this, says, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's what? Come on, talk to me. What? Power. Power. Now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit gave Jesus power. Now, I believe it's important for us to understand that the Greek word here for power is the word dunamis. And uh, dunamis actually means an explosive power. It also means a, a force, an energy, a might, a strength. And uh, you'll see there last, it means a great ability for performing miracles. Now, you may be sitting here today and you may think about, think this, wait a minute, I, I thought Jesus was God and so didn't that mean that he already had power? 
The, the answer for that is yes and no. Now, let me explain. When Jesus came to this earth, we know he came as 100% God, and he became 100% man. Is that correct? Well, talk, is that correct? So, listen, in his godness, the answer is yes, that Jesus had all power available to him, that it was at his disposal. You see, time and time again, Jesus said, I could call this amount of angels to come do this. Anybody remember that? But in his humanity, in that side that was 100% man, that was not the case. Now, remember the Bible tells us in Philippians that when Jesus came to earth, that literally that he stripped himself of his divine rights, meaning that he's, he chose to lay aside his power. Amen. Are you with me? So watch this. He chose to lay it down, and he came in the likeness of man. In other words, he chose to live out this life as a human, he chose to walk it out in humanity. Now, why is that important for us? It's important because Jesus came to give us a pattern or to give us an example that we should follow. If you, if you want to jot down a note, you can write First uh, Peter 2.21. It says that Jesus came and he gave us an example that we should follow in his steps. So when we look at this, it kind of means this, or it does mean this, that Jesus willingly chose out of his humanity to put himself in a position to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Are you all with me today? Am I making sense to you today? He chose to put himself in the position, once again, as the Son of Man, not as the Son of God, but as the Son of Man, to put himself in a position to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Now, let me maybe say it this way to help you, help you understand a little better. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Did he ever sin? No. What, what do you say? Even he showed up to John and said, hey, man, baptize me. John said, there's no way I'm baptizing you because you don't need it. I need it. Bapti- if anybody is qualified to baptize me, it is you. So baptize me. And he said, no, we need to do it to fulfill righteousness. Why did it? He needed to do it to give us an example of what we should do. So in the same time, in the same token, does Jesus need the power of the Holy Spirit? No, because he is God. But he chose to put himself in a position for our sake to depend on it. So what were the results of this anointing or this dunamis power that was in Jesus' life? Look at Acts 10.38. It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. If you look at verse 37, it talks about that John came with the message of repentance and baptism. And obviously it's that idea that Jesus was baptized by him. And then it rolls in verse 38. And it says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth when? After he was baptized, right? And it says, in the Holy Spirit and with power. The word power there is once again, it's the word dunamis. What's the next word there? Come on, talk to me. What's the next word? Then. So, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with or in the Holy Spirit is what it should read in the Greek language. And with power or dunamis. And then it says, after that power came upon him, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. It's good stuff, isn't it? Now, listen, if I can say this in a different way. Jesus's dependency on the Holy Spirit allowed him to do a few things. Jesus's dependency on the Holy Spirit allowed him to live a supernatural lifestyle. I know that may be hard to believe, but if you stop and look at the word, not until after the Holy Spirit came upon him did he ever perform a miracle. It was at the wedding, right? Is that true? Number two, 
So the Holy Spirit allowed him to demonstrate the love and the power of God. How did he do that? If you look at the gifts of the Spirit that we'll find in weeks ahead that, that are, is in Corinthians 12, we see him operating in those gifts. And also when it comes to number three, the Holy Spirit allowed him to advance the kingdom of God. And lastly, the Holy Spirit allowed him to fully, fully, don't miss that word, fully fulfill his earthly purpose. To kind of throw a verse in there, if you want to go to 1 John, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That was part of his purpose of coming. So obviously the main purpose was that he would come and die for us and that he would be resurrected from the dead so we could be born again, so we could go to heaven. The, the pure gospel, right? But also at the same time, he came to liberate a people who were bound by the enemy. Is that true? So can I suggest to you this morning, if this was true for Jesus, that he, that he once again, that he, I hate to use the word needed, but that he needed it, that he chose to put himself in a position to depend on the Holy Spirit. If that, if that was true for Jesus, then could it also be true for us? Yes. Now, listen to what Jesus said to his followers after his resurrection. He said this, not me. Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says this. Says, and this is after he was resurrected. Says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. Please don't miss that word. <laughs> he didn't suggest it. He didn't say, hey, maybe you should think about. It says that he commanded them. That's strong, y'all. He said, do not leave Jerusalem or don't try to go minister. What's the next word? Until the Father sends you the gift. He promised. What was the gift that Jesus was referring to? Go back to Joel chapter 2. Read in Joel chapter 2, and you'll see it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, as I told you before, and we'll look in a minute where he told them before, but it says in verse 5, he says, John baptized with or in water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. Now, can I ask you a question? Were they already born again? Yes, Yes, they were. Okay. They already believed. We all, we all know that. We'll get into that later. But here's the question I have for you today, and you'll hang tight with me, okay? Was this baptism the same as the one Jesus received in Matthew chapter 3 when the Holy Spirit descended and settled on him? Yes. Watch this. How do we know that? Look at Acts 1.8. A few verses later, it says, But you will receive power. What's the word power? Dunamis. It's the same thing that Jesus received when he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. We'll say it that way. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, he received power. Okay? So once again, and when he went about doing good, it's the same word, dunamis. So you shall receive power or dunamis, an explosive power, great ability for performing miracles, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, what's the purpose of this? And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, watch this. The baptism that Jesus spoke of in this verse, where he was commanding his disciples to stay and to wait for the promise to come, it is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. In the same way this baptism empowered Jesus, this baptism empowers believers to do what? To look at it again. Give me the list, please. To live a supernatural lifestyle. To demonstrate the love and the power of God. From what? From the gifts of the Spirit. And when we live like that, what happens? We advance the kingdom of God and ultimately we fulfill our purpose here on this earth. Come on, don't get quiet on me today. Listen, in short, I want us to see this. 
that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an invitation from God himself for us to come and live a supernatural lifestyle. That's what I want to talk to you about for the next few weeks. And that's why I'm saying I can't tell you all in one day. So please come back because I want to give you a balance. And and I want to give it to you in in just true scriptural perspective, okay? Now listen, there's three things that I'm kind of believing for the next few weeks. The first one is this, is information. The second is inspiration. And the third is a demonstration. Let me explain. The first one in information is I want to be able to open up the Word of God and say, look, here's, here's what the Bible says. Okay? I know a lot of us have been taught a lot of different things. But listen, we need to be a people. We don't base our doctrine off our experience or our lack of experience. We need to base our doctrine on what we believe off the Word of God and let that determine our experience. Amen? Amen? So listen, this is not a debate. This is not an argument. This is a conversation simply from what God said. Okay, that's it. So, but just because, and I've met people, I've been in this a long time. I've met people that said, you know what, I I prayed for that one time and I didn't get it, so I don't believe it. So they get up and they teach that to all these people. And what happens is, is their lack of experience now becomes their doctrine, but it doesn't line up with that. Amen. Doesn't line up with the book. So once again, so we want to give information, which is scriptural proof. Second thing is inspiration. I want to share with you over the next few weeks just testimonies because the bottom line, that's encouraging. Amen. And then the last thing is this. It's it's a demonstration. And what's that? It's an opportunity for us to position ourselves to receive and to experience what the promise of the Father is. Amen. All right. So listen, when we start talking about the baptism of the Spirit, I, I fully realize that in this room, there's people from all kinds of different backgrounds. I want you to know that's okay. That doesn't scare me. That doesn't threaten me. It's okay. And I realize that to some of us in this room, the term baptism in the Holy Spirit is so foreign, we don't even have a clue what this guy's talking about this moment. What's that redneck from Alabama saying? And that's okay. That's good. And then there's some of us in here that we were taught, like I was taught when I, when I first started going to church, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was only for members of the early church. It was for the apostolic age. It was for those guys to kind of get, the, to get Christianity off the ground and then was off the ground. Uh, that dispensation was done and, and it was gone with the apostles. Well, the problem is, is it wasn't just the apostles that received it. So what do we do with that? And then, and then I realized that there's people in here that you go, you know what, I'm... I'm interested in, but I'm not really sure what it is, and I just know that I don't want something weird or demonic. Can I give you an amen on that one? (laughs) I'm I'm with you, okay? But can I say something to you? We were sitting there singing, he's a good, good father. God's never going to release something to us that's demonic. He's not going to give us something of the devil, okay? So, as long, listen, our hearts are right. We want him. God's going to see to it that, you know, we're taken care of. He loves us. You know, I keep going back to Luke 11. Luke 11, where it says, suppose a uh, young boy comes to his father and he says, hey, daddy, can can I have an egg? And he says, does he give him a scorpion? Okay. And then he says, if you ask for a fish, will he give him a snake? It's also in Matthew. And then he said, if you ask for a piece of bread, will he give him a rock? Well, what's interesting about that is a scorpion and a snake, if you read the Bible, both represent demonic principalities, demonic spirits. And so he's saying, look, he's saying, if you being 
who you are, not perfect. You're, you're, you know, we're all sinners here. Uh, they've been saved by grace, right? But, but he's saying that if you, being a sinful uh, person, would give your kid a good gift, how much more will the good father, who's perfect, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So in the, actually the context is talking about, Jesus is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the context of that. So when we come to him and say, okay, I want that, he's not going to give us a demon, all right? So I'm going to, all right, okay, whatever. All right, so listen, then I know there's others of you guys here that you're completely uh, gung-ho about the baptism. And, and, you know, you've had some encounter in your life where, where you found out that what we're talking about is true. And, and you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's absolutely changed your life. And you're sitting there thinking, Pastor, it's about doggone time you went there. Okay? So, because I've heard you. All right? Now, let me say this to you, okay? While I believe that there's... Tremendous benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I personally can't imagine doing life without it. In fact, I told, I told Jen last night, I just realized it's been 20 years. January would have been 20 years that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, it's just like, that's mind-blowing. It doesn't seem like it's that long. But I want to make something very clear to you guys. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't qualify or disqualify you for heaven. Because there's people who teach that if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can't go to heaven. The Bible says in John 3, 3, unless you are, unless you are born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? Right? That's it. It doesn't say anything. So the bottom line is, did you receive what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection? If you confess with your mouth, believed in your heart, that's what qualifies us to go to heaven. Amen? Second thing I want to say is, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you special or better than anyone else. Uh, you know, unfortunately, and there's people who have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and they think that they are on some plane that everybody else isn't. That's arrogance. There's nothing from the Holy Spirit that should produce arrogance in our hearts. Amen? Also, it doesn't make you more spiritual, and it doesn't make you any more loved by God. <laughs> really simple, okay? Yes? Are you guys okay? All right. All right, so let me kind of say this before we dive into some really simple things today, because I, I want to talk about some patterns here in a minute from the Word. But let me maybe tell you kind of my personal experience in this. When I went to church as a kid, obviously when I was with my, I lived with my mom, we didn't go to church. Not even close. <laughs> when I would go to my dad's house, my dad would, uh, really my stepmom would take us to a church. And so in that church, it was a church that did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They believed that it passed away. And then when I got a senior in high school, when I personally received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life, I went to a church for a year of a church that believed that it passed away. And I remember during that year, we, we did a, uh, there's a few guys in our high school that decided to do a Thursday night Bible study. And in that Bible study, I think there was 300 kids that passed through. And, and we averaged, I don't know, probably 100 in uh, every, every Thursday night. So if you can imagine, and I've told you this before, basically we would go in their living room. They would shove all the couches to the walls, and everybody would just pack in and sit Indian style, and there was whatever. And we would worship, and we would do all that stuff. Well, I was at that one night, and I asked two, two of the leaders uh, to pray for me. We went... Uh, downstairs because upstairs was like a doggone circus you know when you got that many teenagers in the house it's pretty wild and so anyway so they prayed for me and i remember after they got done i stopped and i looked at them it was jeremiah and john and uh look at there two bible names and so anyways and i just said 
were you guys praying in tongues? Never heard it before. And they just kind of said yes. And, and then I, for me at least, I started kind of putting some pieces of the puzzle together. Because when I saw those guys' lives, they were so um, much more committed. That was the best way. That I, that I literally saw Jesus in those boys. And, and those guys, truthfully, they were, we were all seniors. They brought revival in our high school for a year until they graduated. And so what happened was is that the kid John is the guy that kind of led me to the Lord. And he was going to this ministry school, and that's how I found out about it. When I gave my life to Jesus, I just knew I'm supposed to go there. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't know the difference between my church and their church. Didn't have a clue. I mean, I was, I, I really couldn't tell you the difference between Noah and Moses when I showed up. I mean, a little bit, you know. And that's truth. And I read a little bit of the Bible. Anyway, so I went to this church, and, uh, you know, it was 45 minutes away from where I grew up. And when I went there, once again, I didn't know all the doctrinal difference. But when I walked into the place, I went, he's here. I saw him. And I personally saw a, uh, a passion and a hunger for God that I never saw from, you know, my first 18 years of life. You know, follow me. In other words, when these people went to pray, y'all, they prayed. Jesus walked in the room. You know, it was just powerful. You know, actually seeing people... It wasn't crazy. It wasn't out of order. In fact, it was really, really balanced. But they just made room for the Holy Spirit, and they weren't afraid of him. So God came. And so I was in, in that world, and when I began to see, and then as I began to learn the Bible, I began to go, oh, that's the difference. And so I, for my, you know, my own heart, I don't know, a few months, I began to just say this one simple prayer. I simply said, God, if this is you, I want it. If it's not you, I don't want it. Simple. I want it, or if it's not, man, keep me away from that mess, right? I remember being in a youth service on a Wednesday night. Man, I mean, God was in the house. I mean, the power of God was moving in the place. And, and the youth pastor, uh, Pastor Benny, he decided to, let's, we're going to pray for everybody. In the middle of them praying for everybody, I went over, I went over to Benny, and I said, hey, Benny, I said, hey, hey, Pastor Benny, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can you pray for me? And he comes and he prayed for me. And I remember, so funny now, and it's still so true in so many ways for me today. But I put my head down and I just started shaking my head. And I was getting so frustrated because I was here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I was so just trying to figure the doggone thing out. And it's so funny. We receive Jesus by faith. But when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, we just can't get out of our doggone head. We're not going to figure it out. You know, good luck, right? I can't figure out that, that God became man. I believe it, though. So, anyway, so I remember him saying, he said, Quentin, quit getting so frustrated and just receive. And when I finally just went, I heard that language. And I started praying on the prayer language. I'm telling you, as far as what Jesus said, that out of your belly shall flow living waters. It, came, it started flying out. But here's what I want you to see today. When I walked out of that room, I thought, okay, cool, I got a prayer language. I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't know the significance of it. I didn't know the benefits of it. So what, but the thing that probably, I think, that grabbed my attention the most, I remember everybody around me going, yay! And I'm going, what's the big deal? But the thing that grabbed me the most, it was, it was as if I had lived my first 18 years in a black and white movie and somebody turned the lights on, and everything became color. And what happened is 
I began to pray, and it began to be different. And I'm not talking about when I was praying in tongues, because honestly, my first year of being baptized in spirit, I didn't pray in tongues a whole lot. I did every day, but only for a few, because I didn't understand the, the meaning and the power of it. But what happened, though, is as I prayed in English, things shifted. When I started reading this, holy smokes, it, so, it came alive. And revelation started flying off the page, and I started hearing from God like I never heard before. When we would go, because we did a lot of street witnessing, there was something that shifted. And, and of course, now I know why. It's in Acts 1-8. But when I would talk about Jesus before, I was so stuck here. And then there was something. There came a boldness that I never had before. And as I began to share the gospel, people were getting saved. You all follow me today? So I remember when I worshiped, this was me. This was me in worship before. But then something literally sparks out of me, and I started recognizing the presence of God. I started recognizing when the presence of God came in the room. And so what happened from then is, is guess what? And it, was, it was funny. You know, even Pastor Benny, that guy that prayed for him, he said, Clinton, he said, you do things, and you don't do it at the right timing, and you don't do it in the right way. But man, you just love God. <laughs> I didn't get it, but there was something inside me. It's just, oh, man, I just want to connect with God. And so it came, you know, basically this passion. And then I remember, you know, fast forward. This was probably, uh, let's say, probably a year, a year and a half later. I, I remember because I, I battled in my head so much of, like, some of you guys going, I don't ever want to do something that's not God. I want to honor God with my life. So I would think, and, it was, and now I know it was a lie of the enemy. I go, you know, if this is from the devil, I don't want to pray in it. <laughs> How funny. And so, but I remember I, I got asked to preach in, in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. And I was preaching that Wednesday night, had my little rinky-dink message ready to go. And I went into the church sanctuary and I uh, laid down under a pew because I was kind of hiding from everybody else. And I prayed in English and I ran out of words in about five minutes. I'm like, it's like six hours before I preach, and I'm done. And so I said, you know what? Pardon the word, y'all. I don't use this word much, but I'm going to tell you what I honestly said, because that thing is, you know, it's from the devil, from the devil you hit. And I said, you know what, devil? Screw you. Screw you. I'm praying in tongues. And I began to pray in the spirit, y'all. And I, and I because once again, I, I think God really taught me a lesson that day. But I prayed probably about four I don't know, somewhere between four and six hours in tongues. And when I got up that night to preach, in maybe a minute and a half of talking, the power of God hit me like I had never felt before in my life. It was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I preached like a doggone man on fire for about 25 minutes. And three minutes in, people were weeping, just crying all around. I mean, Jesus just showed up. And there was this lady in the back that, um, godly, 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 mature saint, uh, older woman. She told me afterwards, she said, fella, that's what she always called me, fella. She said, I literally saw you glowing under the glory of God tonight. So that was on a Wednesday, Friday morning, no, Thursday morning. I got asked to speak at another thing. And the same thing happened. I got up and that... Lightning bolt hit me, and I only talked maybe four minutes. And I think there was only like 17 people in the room, and there was two of them that weren't an absolute wreck when I was done because Jesus came in the room. I mean, they were weeping. 
But I knew is because of what we're talking about today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Y'all follow me today? And then, obviously, I'll, I'll get the last one. I'll be done. But, but I, you know, before I would pray with people, and I would just try to think, okay, what's a, what's a good church sound religious prayer I can give <laughs> so I don't sound stupid? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sure. But then something shifted, and he started coming. We were praying with people. You know, follow me. Once again, it, it was something that, you know, it wasn't like, let me go write my prayer. It, it, it was... And Jesus would come. So here's kind of my thought. Here's why I'm telling you guys all this. For the benefit of maybe even looking crazy to y'all. Not the benefit, but the chance. Here's kind of the question I ask you guys. Here's the thought I keep having. Why wouldn't I want the people that God has entrusted me with, give me the opportunity to pastor, why wouldn't I want them to experience that? Y'all follow me? So let's begin uh, today. This won't take long. Let's begin by laying a scriptural foundation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is just a small piece. Once again, we're going to, we're going to cover this in several weeks. Uh, but, I, but I'm intentionally starting here, okay? So anyways, like I said, throughout the Bible we see patterns. There's a, one pattern. It's a pattern of baptisms that I actually want you guys to see. There's three biblical baptisms. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. And remember, if you want to jot this down as well, the word baptism actually means to be immersed or to be overwhelmed. You know, to kind of give you a simple illustration here, we're obviously a church that, because of that definition there, we we don't believe in sprinkling. We, We believe in full submersion underwater. And if you can kind of get this idea, if that's kind of crazy to you, the baptism actually means that you are buried in Christ and that you're resurrected again to new life of him, right? Right? Okay, so let me ask you this. If, if when, when we go to a funeral, do we lay a body there and just sprinkle a little dirt on them and move on? No, you bury it. You bury the body. So, once again, you immerse it. Okay, so that's kind of the context here. So the first baptism is this. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Can somebody say it? Say, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Let me show you a verse. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. And obviously there's many, but for time's sake, I'm only going to give you one and kind of on each one of these. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all, somebody say all, all. been baptized in one body. Look at the context of that chapter. It is talking about the body of Christ. So we have all been baptized in the body of Christ by one spirit. What's the spirit? It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? So listen. So the moment that you and I repented and we believed, instantly the Holy Spirit baptized us or fully immersed us into the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. It's good news. Y'all hang tight with me. Number two. Second one is this. A disciple baptizes us in water. A disciple baptizes in water. Let me explain. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, listen, after we repented and believed, after we got saved, we had a commandment from the Lord that we should all be water baptized. Wave your hand at me if you know that's true. Wave your hand at me. If you haven't been water baptized, we need to get you water baptized. Let me know, all right? We can get you water baptized. Jake will dunk you today. Here we go. Listen, so water baptism is simply this. It's a physical act, right? 
of immersion in water once again by another believer. Obviously, Jesus doesn't come down himself and baptize you. John the Baptist doesn't pop up and baptize you. Another believer, fulfilling the Great Commission, what we just read, stands there in the place of that and baptizes you. That's why, listen, it doesn't take a, a pastor to baptize you. It just takes another believer to baptize you. So, listen, this baptism is meant to be a sign, but it's also more than a sign. Once again, it's an outward display of an inward change, but there's also life-changing power in it. Read Romans, right? Let's understand this once again, that when I, when I am baptizing, I'm buried the old man in the old ways and the old life. And then when I come up out of the water, guess what happens? That that's me stepping into the newness of life. Amen? That's what the Bible says in Romans. So the first one was what? That the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus or into the body of Christ. The second was the disciple baptizes water. The third baptism is Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. All right, so listen. Before I give you a scripture reference, if we take a step back and we review the Gospels from beginning to end, all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, I think it's very interesting. I want to point out today there's only five common things there's only five things in all four, all four of the Gospels that, that shows up in all of them. Am I making sense? Am I saying that right? So um, let me maybe say it this way. If you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic Gospels. It just simply means similar. Okay? And the reason is, is all three of those cover the last year of Jesus' ministry. All right? So you'll find in all of them it says something along these lines that after John was beheaded, Boom, 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 and then you have the rest of the book. John came much later, and he took a whole different perspective on it. That's why it's not part of the synoptic or the similar gospels. But what's so funny is when you take those synoptic gospels and the book of John, you put them together, here's the five things that you find in all of them. Watch this. The birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. God put that in there because he knows church people like to eat. All right, and then the last one is is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me kind of hang tight with me, okay? I know this may be new for some of you guys, but just the thought here, is the birth of Jesus important? Is the death of Jesus important? Absolutely. The resurrection? Feeding of 5,000? Sure. And uh, God provides. I'm just, I started thinking about fried chicken there. I got sidetracked. I literally did. I started thinking about fried chicken. Help me, Jesus. All right. Whoo. All right. So why would we go here that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not important? I'm a common sense guy, y'all. So let me kind of give you this. If you stop and you look at the ministry of Jesus, of why he came, let me ask you this. Was the birth, death, and resurrection for everyone? Then why would the baptism of the Holy Spirit only be for some people? You'll follow me. In other words, the ministry of Jesus, you can't say, yep, that's for everybody. Nope, that, that, that one, nope, it's only for a select few. Or say, well, well, it passed away. My Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So, so why would he do part of what he used to do forever and, and then leave out the other part? It just logically it doesn't make sense, Right? Let me show you the promises here. Here's where the promises are found. If taking notes, just write down these. We're only going to read two of them. But the promises are Matthew 3.11, Matthew 3.11, Mark 1.8, Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16, that's Luke 3.16, and John 1.33. Let's read Matthew and John. We'll read the bookends. Here we go. Matthew 
It says, I, so I'm a John the Baptist, indeed baptize or immerse you with, or once again, the preposition should be in water unto repentance. But he, Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. We all celebrate that. Woo! Let's not leave out the last part. He will baptize or immerse you with or in the Holy Spirit and fire. Fuego. John one thirty three. I, once again, John the Baptist, did not know him, speaking of Jesus, but he, who's he, the Father, who sent me to baptize with her in water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descending and remaining on him. Did we read that earlier? Matthew 3, right? It says, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice something today, okay? Please, please, please don't miss this. This may sound super insignificant, but it's not. If you look at these, all four of them, you'll find that John the Baptist was not talking to the 12 disciples. You know why we know that? Because they weren't called yet. Jesus hadn't even gathered them yet. So who's he talking to? He's talking to all believers. Are y'all hearing me today? He's talking to all believers. All right, so here's, here's where the confusion has come in the church. Once again, the three. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. A disciple baptizes us in water. And third, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Okay, we just saw four references read too. Here's where the confusion comes in. is A, a lot of the church world uh, confuse the first one and the second one by thinking, I mean the first one and the third one by thinking they're the same thing. So let's remove for a second theologically. Let's talk grammatically. How can, how can, Ben, stand up? Mr. Bob, stand up, please. How can, how can I say that Ben baptized me and then say that Mr. Bob baptized me and say it's the same thing? Are y'all following me? It just doesn't make sense that, that if I literally, if I said, if I said, hey, he did this, and then, hey, he did this, man, it was the exact same thing. Y'all look at me like, hold up, buddy. Right? So, but here's the thing. In this, if you notice on the first one, the Holy Spirit is doing the baptizing. On the third one, Jesus is doing the baptizing. So it can't be the same thing. Are y'all following me today? Is it awesome? That makes sense? I'm looking at my wife. She'll give you the indicator. <laughs> Let me give you the pattern once again. The first one we see that the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. That's when you get saved, you become a new person. Amen. Second one, a disciple baptizes you in water. When you get baptized, the old person gets buried. Third, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. This is, this is once again, when we get spirit baptized, that's where we receive power to walk it out. All right? So, listen, it's a complete work. The pattern is the complete work of what God's trying to do in all of our lives. Now, let me show you a few other places, and we're going to dive bomb out of here today. Look at 1 John 5, 7, and 8. Let me, once again, see the pattern. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Get that. Heaven. The Father, the Word. Who's the Word? Who's the Word? I'm going to help all y'all. Who's the Word? There you go. All right. And the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's the three, right? It says, and these three are one. Look at verse 8. And there are three that bear witness where? On earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Does it not take blood to save you? 
So the blood represents salvation. The water there is water baptism, and the Spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these three do what? They agree or they complete one another. Let me show you another verse. Let me show you the pattern uh, first in the New Testament. Look at Acts 2.38 with me here. This is the day of Pentecost. We know that Peter stands up and it says, Peter said to them, repent. Is that not salvation? Is that not salvation? Ain't tight with me. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Is that not water baptism? Yes, it is. It says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Watch this. This key verse, 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. Can I ask you today, has the Lord called you? Listen, right there, once again, that, that, and don't mean this in an aggressive way, but that blows out of the water the mindset that it was only for that group of people. Once again, for the promises to you and to your children and to all, 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 all who are far off. I mean, they're not even alive yet, far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. It can't get any clearer than that. Now, let, let me show you another place, and this is maybe just for kicks. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts 8. I didn't give it to these guys in the back. Acts 8, look at verse 4. It says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. What happened is persecution came to Jerusalem, and the disciples, or the 120 that were in the upper room, they scattered. That's what it's referring to, okay? And then actually the 3,000 came in. It's just the believers. They were scattered, okay? And then it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. You get that? He preached the gospel, right? And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Is that saying that they believed? We'll, we'll get it a little bit more clear in a minute, but yes. It says, Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. And then it comes down and says, basically, well, we'll read it. Verse 9 says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Stay away from those people. Okay? Somebody claims that they're great, move on. All right, verse 10. says, To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is, is the great power of God. That they were saying that about this guy. Now watch what happens when the real power of God shows up. It says, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. It says, but, watch this, when they believed. Is that salvation? That is, when they believed, that is salvation, okay? Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were what? Baptized. That's water baptism. It says, then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So even the Simon guy, the sorcerer, got born again. And this says in verse 14, it says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. It says, who, when they had come, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So if they received the Holy Spirit when they got born again, then why are they doing it again? So then it goes on and it says this. It says, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a key part there. 
Notice that they received. Let me give you a real simple analogy here. Babe, stand up. I said babe. Sorry. I was talking to my wife. Sugar plum, can you stand up, please? That was awesome. So, so watch this. If I gave this bottle of water to Jen, did she take that from me or did she receive it? She received it. It's, she, give it to me. Right? And that's what, listen, that's all the Lord's saying. Look, you, you, you got to say, you gotta, what about it? man, just listen. I, I want to give you this gift. Man, can you just receive it? You got to take it. Receive it. Look, there's plenty of other people here who want to be babe. I'll trade you in, all right? You did good. All right. But listen, it's really that simple. We receive salvation. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just that we just receive it, right? Now, let me show you in the Old Testament, okay? And, and I'm not going to just point you to Scripture. I'm just going to point you to the context, and you can read it. All throughout, really, the Old Testament, especially uh, when it comes to Moses. But when you come to the tabernacle, now listen, this is really, really cool to me. Because, once again, we're not saying that it's just all new. No, the the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, remember, was given as our example. It was given to us as signs that were pointing to Jesus. Is that correct? Okay, let me help you out. I remember uh, Pastor Al used to talk about all the time. It's our old pastor in North Carolina. When you're coming down uh, 95 South Coming out of Raleigh and you're coming to Fayetteville, there's a sign that says the next nine exits to Fayetteville. Okay? Now, those nine signs are not Fayetteville, but they point to Fayetteville. So in the Old Testament, there's things that are there, shadows and types, that would point to Jesus and what Jesus was going to do. And the tabernacle, all of it, is about Jesus. Are you all following me? So, so once again, of what he would do. Probably should have just brought the whiteboard out and drew this. But basically, you, you know, you got the walls, basically the tent of the tabernacle, and, and there was one entrance. Everybody, that's not so important. There's one entrance. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There was one way to step into the tabernacle. Now, on the other side, there was two rooms. There was uh, the holy place. And then there was the holy of holies where only the priest could go. And that's where basically God would encounter the priest, where people's sins forgiven, the mercy seat was there, the Ark of the Covenant, all that, okay, represent the presence of God. Now, do we find it coincidental that when you walk through the gate, that there's three things that you had to do before you got into the Holy of Holies? Watch this. The first thing that you stepped to was an altar where they shed blood. Salvation. Follow me. The next thing was a laver. It's where they washed water baptism. The next thing was a flask where they would anoint the priest, which is a representation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before you could step into the presence of God. So it's not only there in the New Testament, the shadow of the type is there in the Old. Now watch this. Y'all smile at me when I say this to you. We, we want to come in. Woo! Got Jesus. Also, we got water baptized. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that theme because, I, you know, I'm not in control with that. So I'm willing to skip the baptism of the Holy Spirit and still think somehow I'm going to get into the presence. 
Now, here's what's funny, okay? And I'm not saying this is going to happen to anybody in here. But what I'm saying, but in this, if they didn't go through all three phases as a priest, guess what would happen when they'd get in there? They'd die. Now, here's what's interesting. Y'all smile at me, man. I, I maybe shouldn't say this. But blood, water, skip it. How many dead Christians are sitting right here? How many? That they have no passion, no zeal. And listen, if they were honest with themselves, they would say, you know what? I really don't experience the life of God. I, I'm, listen, I'm amazed. Once again, I'm not saying we're better. That's not what I'm saying. Do not hear that, please. But I'm amazed by how many people, it's like they get here and they, I, I don't know, it's like they're, they're content. They're satisfied with just love. But if they're honest with themselves, they're miserable. Because once again, because there's a pattern that Jesus brought, salvation, water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's where the fulfillment in life is at. All right, let's look at one last verse. You guys have done awesome today. One last verse. I know I I might have stirred up more questions than ones that I answered today. But if you come over the next few weeks, hopefully I'll answer them, okay, the questions. Look at Mark 16 with me. We're going to end on this verse, and Jen's going to come, and she's going to give us some announcements. Once again, this is the information piece. Next week, I probably want to get more into the inspiration piece. Uh, but I want to show you this kind of to set up precedence of where we're going next week, okay? So Mark 16. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. It says, verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven, because obviously Judas was no longer there, as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Then it says, verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We love that. Watch the rest. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Who's talking, y'all? Jesus is talking. Who's he talking to? He said to those who believe. Does anybody believe in here? Watch this. It says, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. That doesn't mean that you hunt them down and you preach with them. All right? It means that if you get bit, then God's going to protect you. Then it says, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And then watch this last part. It says, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now watch this last part, verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Now it's really important. Why, why is that key? That he sat down at the right hand of God. Remember what he said in John. And if you go back to, I think, November the 25th, I preached a whole message on this. But, but he said, it is expedient or is to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I will send another. Who's another? Some of the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's so important that he went and he sat down so the Holy Spirit could come. And then it says in verse 20, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen? Yeah. Even said amen right there at the end for me. <laughs> So here's what's interesting. Here's been my prayer lately. Uh, God, I don't want to preach the gospel without having a demonstration of it. Does that make sense? In other words, 
listen, Jesus is alive. The gospel is alive. So shouldn't we be seeing what we read right there? Yes, we should. We should. And listen, and that's my prayer for our church, that we're going to do it God's way. Salvation, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, enter into the presence of God. And the bottom line that is through that, guess what? The signs and wonders will come, that God will do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And, Lord, just thanks for the opportunity to be able to share your word. Lord, I'm asking, God, I just try to be delivered the best that I could to what you've given me. And so, Lord, I'm just asking today, God, that, that your word would come alive in our hearts. And, Father, that you would help us believe your word. Lord, I didn't make anything up. You said it. We just repeated it. So, Lord, I'm praying today, God, that you would bring revelation, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, God, that you would just speak life to us today. And, Father, show us the pattern, God, that you desire for us to walk in and live in. Because, Lord, the truth is, is that you have invited every one of us to live a supernatural life. God, you haven't called us to live as Pharisees that are just strictly by the law and legalistic. Lord, you've called us to walk with you. And, God, when we walk with you, guess what? Supernatural things happen. And so, Lord, today we just thank you for just stirring in our hearts a passion and desire to know you more. Even as we were singing earlier, God, deeper still. God, with you as a church, would you take us deeper? As individuals, would you take us deeper? Lord, I'm even asking for myself, God, take us deeper today. So I want to ask you this before we roll out of here today. Is there anybody in this place that you've never made a commitment to Jesus, that you've never been born again? And, uh, you know, you know you're here today and you're thinking, man, God's, God's real and I need to get right with him. I, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the, uh, I don't even know the questions to have answers to, but I just know he's, He's alive, and, man, I need to meet him. If that's you today, throw your hand up. You say, man, I need to get right with God. Amen. You're the one I was waiting on, brother. Amen. Amen. Everybody, um, a friend in the back, I want you to come, and I, I want to actually pray with you personally in a minute So when we get done. So, Father, today, I just ask you to bless your people. Let your words sink in our hearts. Father, thank you for doing only what you can do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.